Hello everybody, I'm James Fairchild and welcome to episode 2 of my podcast, James Ames Business. In this episode, I'm going to be giving some tips that are designed to help the completion of your tax return. If you're someone who needs to do one, you can't have failed to notice that the deadline is the 31st of this month, which is only a couple of weeks away. Can I first of all give a shout out to listener Varon for a tip he sent to me a few days ago. Now, the year has just changed from 2019 to, well, it seems wrong to say 2020. 2020 seems to slip off the tongue much better, but the year has changed. The tip that Sparon shared with me was that if one is signing a document during this year, instead of putting <clears throat> 8th January 20, as one might do, it would probably be prudent to put 2020 instead of just 20. The reason being that if somebody does just write 8th Jan 20, the unscrupulous could come along and put an 18 or a 19 behind the 20. That would obviously work in reverse if someone had entered into a contract on the 24th of December 2019, then it's not beyond imagination to think that someone could tip X or more likely Photoshop out the 1-9 so that it reads 24th of December 20. A little tip that perhaps everybody ought to be aware of and again, I'm grateful for being made aware myself. If you have a tip or some news or an app you've discovered that you think would be of interest to other listeners, please do get in touch. You can email me on media at weeklyfd.com and that's Foxtrot Delta or Finance Director. That email address again, media at weeklyfd.com. And now into the episode proper, some talk around tax returns. Many of you will complete a tax return every year, but there may well be some people listening who haven't done one before for whom this is your first one. To those people, assuming that you've registered at some point in the past, can I urge you now, while there's still a couple of weeks to play with if we need, to go to the HMRC website, log in using the government gateway ID number and password that you have, and in the section headed self-assessments, there will be, or there should be, an option called Complete Your Tax Return. If you can't see that option, then you need to be putting a call into HMRC, and they can be reached 0300 200 3310. As I say, if you cannot see the option Complete Your Tax Return, then you need to make an inquiry. The next point I would make 
whether it's your first tax return or your 51st tax return, please do consider using the services of an accountant. There are lots of accountants out there, some of whom are able to offer their services to members of the public, such as yourself. Search online on the reputable directories, Yellow Pages, which incidentally is now but a sliver of its former self, but it does still exist. Find a reputable accountant, somebody who's a member of one of the professional bodies, and do consider engaging them to handle your return on your behalf. So comments I'm going to make, I'm going to divide into four groups. First of those is employees, including people who are the employee of their own limited company. Then we've got the self-employed. Then we have property investors. And then we have people who are in receipt of pension. It may be, of course, that somebody falls into two or even three of those groups. So for employees then, hopefully your employer will pay you business expenses for things like travel and subsistence when you're working away from the office. Some people, however, do not receive expenses or do not receive full expenses. HMRC allow people to claim a mileage rate of 45p per mile for the first 10,000 miles in a financial year and then 25p per mile after that. And that rate is regardless of fuel type, regardless of the type of car you have now. But your employer, they may well not pay that full rate. I'm aware of companies and charities indeed who pay 30, 25, even 15 pence per mile. In that situation, you can reclaim through your tax return you can offset against tax the difference between the 45 or 25, as the case may be, and the amount that you actually receive from your employer. You will need to have to hand your expenses from your employer in order that you have some backup for the claim being made. Similarly, some businesses do not allow lunch receipt to be claimed on expenses on occasions when you travel on business and you're away for lunch or indeed breakfast or evening meal. These expenses can be claimed in much the same way. To actually make such a claim, you can either fill in form P87 or HMRC have a service which is part of the gov.uk family of pages where you can make and submit your claim online. Marriage allowance. This applies in the situation where one spouse either doesn't work or earns less than the personal allowance, which for the 18-19 year is 11,850. And the 1920 year is 12,500. And the other spouse earns less than the 46,350 pounds 
in the 1819 tax year and less than £50,000 in the 1920 tax year. If both of these things apply and you are indeed married or in a civil partnership, which now includes both mixed sex couples as well as same sex couples, then £1,250 worth of allowance can be changed, can be transferred from one spouse to the other spouse. The effect of this is that £250 can be saved. There is advice online about this, both on the gov.uk pages and also the Money Advice Service has a page as well. Employee Capital Allowances There is an annual investment allowance for employees who need to purchase something exclusively for use in their employee, uh, employer's business. Uh, this could be something like a laptop, if there's a bring your own device policy, or a toolbox and tools, if you're a mechanic, for example. If you are considering a purchase like this, or you have already made one in the tax year under question, you might want to take advice either from an accountant or somewhere like the Citizens Advice Bureau as to how you can claim for the investment that you've made. If you have incurred expenditure on lower value items, for example, uniform or small tools, office stationery, that kind of thing, again, that the employer does not reimburse for, it is possible that you can claim for these only the cost of either replacement or repair to an item, not the original cost of buying them. And obviously, whilst I understand that the reality of the situation in a number of struggling companies is that they cannot always afford to pay for all the expenses that they ought to be reimbursing. Anything health and safety related, so personal protective equipment, high-vis vests, steel toe cap boots, respiratory masks, is something that the employer must provide by law. Trading income. Let's suppose you have a little something that you do to get some extra money. You might do babysitting, you might sell beads at a craft fair. I myself do some tuition for GCSE Maths. There is an allowance of £1,000 per year of income in a second trade that one can earn without needing to declare it, nor without needing to pay tax on it. A couple of points for the self-employed. First of all, if you do some working from home, or if you use your home office to do your bookkeeping, or prepare invoices, or clean work-related items, you can claim for that. 
you have the choice of either claiming a flat £4 a week or £216 per year or alternatively you can look at the number of days a week, the number of rooms per house and you can take a proportion of bills that could fairly be considered to pertain to that room. For example, if you do genuinely have a room that you use five or six days a week for work and you don't go in the room apart from to do work, you might fairly be able to claim all of the expenses associated with that room, potentially including things like redecoration. But in general, people may well have a study that they use partly for work purposes and perhaps partly for other purposes as well. Note that if you are self-employed, in addition to making whatever payment needs to be made for the 18-19 year, you may well need to make a payment on account by the 31st of January and then another payment of account on 31st of July. So please plan for cash flow associated with this. Talking of planning for cash flow, a couple of years ago, HMRC introduced a change. This applies to everybody, by the way, that one can no longer pay by credit card. One needs to either pay them by debit card or via alternative options, uh, online banking, and I think they still accept uh, checks, but no more credit cards. Also for the self-employed and also limited company contractors, IR35 will be expanding in scope to the private sector from April 2020, this coming April. I will do a future podcast episode around IR35 and contracting and so on, but in very general terms, if you are a worker and you have one main client that you spend something approaching full-time working hours at, you and the business concerned, the employer in inverted commas, are likely to be caught by the expansion of IR35. And both parties ought to consider carefully what they want their relationship, their business relationship, in April to look like. A couple of points around property for those people who have homes that they rent out. Mortgage interest costs, as I'm sure you're aware, are in the process of a phased change. So for the 18-19 year, you can reclaim half of mortgage interest costs on the tax return under finance costs. The other half of it 
as a tax credit, but on a 20% or basic rate basis. For the year where in the moment, the 1920 financial year, that changes to 25% under finance costs and 75% as this basic rate tax credit. And then for the forthcoming year, the 2021 year, the whole lot is just that basic rate tax credit. Also in April, there's a change to capital gains tax and also the way it's worked out in the case of a property that you have previously lived in as your residence. Again, I will do a property themed episode perhaps during next month, but briefly, if you have a rental property that you or your spouse have previously lived in as your residence, now may well be a good time to consider either putting this property on the market for sale and completing before 5th of April 2020, or indeed to consider transferring the property to perhaps your children or grandchildren. Again, that's about all I'll say now. Obviously, don't just put a property on the market because of a 30-second comment from me. I will give some more information about the changes, or you might like to consult your accountant and see if it could be prudent for you to do so. Those who are in receipt of pensions, obviously all pension income is taxable and that does include the state pension. State pension age is of course 65 at the moment and it rises to 66 this coming October and then a little later in time rises to 67. And then there's a, been a recent consultation affecting people born in the 1970s that their pension age is, appears likely to rise to 68. Indeed, whether there will still be a state pension in 20 years' time is another matter. Obviously, if you are still working, you are able to pay up to £40,000 per annum into a private pension and that can come out of gross earnings, i.e. that's £40,000 that goes straight to your pension pot. You do not pay income tax on it. It doesn't have to be the full £40,000, of course. It can be an amount of your choice. Again, uh, there are advisors out there specialising in, uh, in pensions and such matters who can give you some advice and recommendations. Finally, a general point uh, for everybody, whether you fill out a tax return or not, please keep records around payroll, expenses, invoices, whatever it might be, bank statements, please keep records like that for at least six years. You never know when something could be investigated 
or questioned. As I said earlier, thank you for tuning into my podcast. Some topics that I plan to cover over future weeks include some points around inheritance, some points around IR35, and specifically the forthcoming changes, some points aimed at property investors, points around pension. I do also plan to do a session around making tax digital. That may well be later on in the year as some of the proposed changes planned for this coming April have been deferred, but that will still be a topic that we cover. If there's something you would like me to talk about, or if you have a question or a tip, please feel very welcome to send me an email at media at weeklyfd.com and that's FD for Finance Director. In conclusion, if I could just remind you that the contents of this podcast are intended as general case information. I do believe it's valid at the point of recording. However, it can change. It may not be the appropriate decision for you or your business. Or indeed, I may well have made a mistake with something I've said. Do seek specific paid-for advice specific to you and your circumstances, whether from an accountant, solicitor, or financial advisor. All of those professionals who are able to offer their advice to the public have suitable insurance to cover any unforeseen issues. The author, creator, and the various podcast apps websites have no liability for any reliance on any of the content herein and finally the content is principally aimed at England. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now.